0: Welcome back to Behind the Wealth. I'm your host, Roger Abel, and we're here today to talk about one of the most talked about items that's going to happen in the next 10 days. And that's New Year's resolutions and really how to keep those goals, set those goals. Um, I've already been talking about it with my wife. I know we've talked about it a little bit in the office. What are the resolutions going to be? The sad reality of resolutions are most are going to fail. You know, I. <laughs> I mean, it, it is the sad reality. And, you know, research kind of tells us that about 60% of Americans are going to set some goal in the next, let's call it 10 days. We're filming this in middle of January, middle of December. But most people have those goals in mind before January 1st comes. So we're going to try to help people not become a statistic because only about 8% of people actually achieve the goal that they set out to have.
1: Right. And you'll see just even uh... – going to the gym. (laughs) The best months to not go to the gym are January and February because they're crowded. Oh yeah. And then as this shows after the first week, only 75% of people are still successful. So after the first week, 25% of people drop off. Um, and after one month, Another 10% drops off, and then six months, we're all the way down to 46% of people are still on track. But
0: You know what? That actually surprises me a little bit, that about 50% of the people, after six months, still met their goal. I actually thought it'd be, like, way less than that number. I I mean, because I've set goals before, New Year's resolution goals. A couple years ago, I I made it a goal to give up sugar, and I actually did it. I went an entire year, which very difficult to do, but I went an entire year without doing it, but I still, I'm I'm surprised that half the people still have it after six months, but by the end of the year, the interest is waned.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully today we'll talk about some strategies and maybe some good reminders, um, you know, about saving money and how you can set some realistic goals to do that. So hopefully you can set some goals and, um, stay on track to achieve those.
0: Well, in You know, it's interesting because the number one or one of the top five goals every single year for people is to it's a money related goal. Right. It's saving money or getting a budget or getting out of debt. It's some type of money related goal. And unfortunately, 92 percent of people fail. So that's what we're going to try to help do today. And I think the real thing you got to get at is why do the resolutions actually fail? Right. A couple reasons. It's maybe not realistic. And, and I use this analogy in my own personal life. If I want to go on and get healthier and there's two ways to do this, right? You can like do this phased in approach where, Oh, I do one thing and then I do another and then I'll take the next step. But if you try to tackle everything at one time, typically it doesn't work out. So if you're going to go on a diet and you're like, well, I'm going to cut my calories down to 1500 calories. I'm going to cut carbs and I'm not going to have any sugar. I'm going to work out an hour every day about the third day, you're like, forget it because it's really overwhelming. So the first thing you have to do is set a realistic plan, right? What's realistic for you to achieve in the short term and in the long term, if we achieve small successes, that can be highly advantageous long term.
1: Yeah. I, and I, I totally agree with that. I have found anytime I set a goal, I'm much more successful starting with the first step, get that down, move on to the second step, get that down. Um, and then another thing I think we wanted to point out, as far as goal setting, it should be something important to the individual. So, and I, I think everyone falls into this trap where maybe I set a goal that's more, that's what I think other people think I should do. When you should take a little bit more time and uh, you know reflect and set goals based on what you want to do, not well, you know, society says I should do this, so that's why I'm gonna set that goal. Cause really, I mean, at the end of the day, other, what other people think or what society thinks, that's not enough um, motivation to see to see through a long-term goal for, for like a year at a time. That might motivate you for a few weeks, but um, that typically doesn't last.
0: And that, that's a good point because if, if you're setting the goal for society, not for yourself, you, you won't succeed. I think that's probably the number one reason I don't have the data here. But I can always tell you, if it's really important to me, my chances of it working out are really good. If it's a goal I've set because I'm concerned with somebody else thinks, yeah, I only care for a little while. <laughs> and then I'll right. move on to the next thing. So, um, right. you know, one thing you can do is kind of use and use an acronym, right? People talk about acronyms all the time, but what are some of the things we can do to make measurable goals. And there's an acronym called SMART. It stands for Specific, Measurable, Achievable, Relevant, and Time-Bound. And let's walk through what this SMART process of setting a resolution is, but specific. if You need to make the goal very clearly stated. And what I mean by that is, if you say, hey, my goal for this year is to go to church. Well, What's that mean? Is it three times? Is it Christmas, Easter, some other day? Like, oh, it needs to be, I need, I want to go to church three times a month or whatever goal you're trying to do, achieve. It needs to be very, very specific in nature.
1: Yeah. Yep. Specific. Um, and the next one's measurable. So, like what you just said, a specific, measurable goal would be, I'm going to go to church three times a month for the entire year. Well, you can measure that because. You know, you can count how many times you went in the month, Um, or another measurable measurable goal could be, I want to save two hundred dollars extra a month. So there, you have a number. It's specific, um, and you probably want to get more specific. Where are you going to save that two hundred dollars? You know, is that into your savings account? Is it into one of your retirement accounts? Um, And then, what are you going to do with the money? And then you know, that $200, that would be measurable because you would know every month that you did that and every month that you didn't do that.
0: And when it's measurable, it reinforces what you're doing, right? It says, hey, I'm doing the right thing. You feel a sense of accomplishment, which like many things in life, as you feel that sense of accomplishment, it just kind of snowballs and gets easier to do. You're like, man, that felt good. That felt good. I got $600 saved. Now I have 800, now I have a thousand. And it almost becomes a little bit of an addiction. I remember when I first started Um, in the investment business, my mom called me and said, hey, I've got this life insurance policy I took out when you were a kid, which all of our parents did, and it's got like $3,000 of cash, you know, and it's worth like $10,000 of death benefit. What should I do with it? I said, tell you what, why don't you cash it out, give me the 3,000 to start my savings account. And back then there was an account called the ING Orange Savings Account, which is now Capital One 360, but it had a great interest rate. It was like 5% interest rate on cash. And I said, "Well, I'm going to start saving." And how I did it is, I started saving twenty five dollars a week. Like, so every week, twenty five bucks would just automatically come out of my bank account into my savings account. And that was a number that I knew I just wouldn't miss. Now, if you took a hundred dollars at one shot, it would have been more painful. But I did twenty five every week. Well, then pretty soon I'm like, "Well, I think I could do forty every week." And then it was a hundred, and the number kept going up until I reached this pain tolerance where. I'm making myself broke. But I kept reinforcing my behavior and it made it easier for me to kind of keep taking that approach to savings. And had I not had that reinforcement, I'm not sure I would have
1: done it. Right, right. Well, and that moves into the next part of the acronym. That was achievable for you. So setting, so one, not only specific, measurable, and then achievable. So you did those things. And starting with $25 a month, that was an achievable thing that you could do. And there's a big... Goal setting and goal achieving, it's a, there's a lot of psychology, I mean, maybe not a lot, but it's very psychological. And, you know, so one thing as far as achievable goals go, a lot of times, let's say I, I just, the other day I was talking with a younger person and I asked him, well, how much money could you save every month? And he said, well, I really could probably do 300. I go, okay, but that's a new habit, so that's going to stretch you, right? That extra 300. Well, yeah, probably. Okay, so start with 150. Start with 150 and do that a couple months, and then bump it to 175 until you get used to it. Bump it to 200 until you get used to it. So there's a lot of um, just those little psychological wins when you're working towards a goal. Those can be very, very helpful.
0: I think the biggest thing about having a goal that's achievable, too, is small steps, if, if you set a goal on this five-year goal most of the time those don't come to fruition right it's just too daunting to wait five years for some level of success so it, when i set goals i look at one three five years what are my goals but then i break it down and say what can i do each day each week each month to accomplish this larger goal and and that becomes achievable right if you say hey like when i gave up sugar well, the goal was tomorrow i'm just not going to have any sugar in my diet it wasn't the is for a year it was just i'm not going to do it tomorrow and then well i'm not going to do it the next day and pretty soon i'm doing it one day at a time becomes a lot easier and it becomes a habit but i just said my goal is not to have sugar by about the third day i'm like man a year's too long to not have a piece of pie or a piece of cake like i just can't <laughs> do it but oh yeah i could give it up tomorrow so small goals will lead to great results long term um Relevant. I think you brought this up, Elias. It needs to be relevant to you. It needs to be relevant to what's important to you. So if if you're close to retirement, maybe your goal is to create a financial plan because you want to feel secure about going into retirement or you're 30 years old and you haven't started saving. Well, why do you want to save? Find some reason why. You know, every most people want to retire. But when you're 30, that's not the relevant goal in your life, right? No. I mean, you're, we like to talk about it and think people are thinking about it. they're not. right? They're thinking about how they're gonna you know, pay for their kids' track meet or the next set of tennis shoes and how they're gonna pay for college and all these things. So is there another way to set an achievable goal for those people? And maybe it's not retirement 30 years down the line, but hey, my goal for this year is to max out my Roth IRA because I know if I have that habit, that's going to make me successful in 30 years versus saying, man, I have to accumulate 2 or $3 million for retirement because that's a huge number versus how do I put $125 a week into my Roth IRA so I max this thing out?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that that's a really good point. And, um, you know, that's relevant goals, um, you know, like we touched on a little bit earlier. If it's not important to you, you're probably not going to achieve it and you'll give up on it. Um, you know, but keep it, keep it where you can have a, one, it's relevant to you. And then you also have a process to achieve that goal. And then another big thing in our next letter, uh, would be time bound. So there should be some sort of schedule to hit this goal. And that's just the, the time aspect of goal setting. To me, it's always a sense of urgency because if I say, well, I'd like to lose 20 pounds. Well, that's great. A lot of people want to, but if I say I want to lose 20 pounds by August 1st, well, now there's a date where I want that to happen. And there's a sense of urgency to stay on track to hit that goal.
0: So, and if I think that's a good analogy because everybody's trying to lose weight. I mean, most people I know, we're all overweight. I mean, there's some really fit people that do a great job, but the vast majority of our population is overweight. And none of us really want to be overweight. It's just hard to not it's hard to accomplish that because of what you said, we feel like we don't have time and, and you said, Hey, we'll have this goal of in August, we'll lose it, but you can break that down even more, whether it's weight loss or money or whatever it is and say, well, I'm going to mark time on my calendar every day to do this. And if I don't, I got to figure out how to create time. Um, and I, I look at some of the very most successful people in the world, Mark Wahlberg. I mean, everybody knows who Mark Wahlberg is for the most part. He gets up every day at four 30. It's probably not because he wants to get up every day at 4.30, but he's time blocked down to every 30 minutes of his his day. So each minute is meaningful of his day. He's not wasting time. He's not losing it, but he's figured out for me to accomplish what I want every single day, I have to get up at 4.30. I'm not advocating you have to get up at 4.30, but if you start to say, hey, this is what I do throughout the day. I work from 8 to 4 and then I come home and I have dinner with my family and then I have two hours of wind down time and there's not time to work out. Well, there is, you just have to create it either at the beginning of your day or the end of the day. And, and I think that's what time bound means is make sure you're actually allocating time to accomplish this goal. If your goal is to you know, really start planning for retirement, well, why not just block off like one hour on the first day of each month to spend time on it? Because if you spend 12 hours on it, it's 11 hours more than most people will spend each year. Most people spend more time planning their vacation than they do on their retirement or their savings or all those different things. So I think time-bound is super important. And if you start to break it down into smaller periods of time, it's way more accomplishable.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree that you're gonna have a sense of urgency and, um, and a deadline. Deadlines are important.
0: So, so that's the SMART acronym, but it really comes down to create a plan and plans don't magically appear right? They're written down. It's like football. It's like financial. Everybody has a game plan regardless of if it's a preseason football game or it's a Super Bowl. There's a game plan created. Um, if you don't have a game plan, you just say, well, this is my goal. Well, it's just talk, right? And, and I always heard this saying that unless you write it down, it's not real. And I remember yeah. when I was in high school, my high school baseball coach said, hey, we're going to write our goals. We're going to have three goals because three was kind of like the number he thought was attainable. And then we had to post it in three different places. So he took everybody on the baseball team on the bill of their cap had what their three goals were for the season. So every time you took your cap off, you had it there. And then you had it another place in your locker room and maybe you had it on your mirror in your in your bathroom. But there was always places to keep reminding us what that goal is because it's easy to let it slip through the cracks. Um and, and that's really of just it's just having a great plan of how to accomplish it
1: yeah and i know for me personally um i bet if you were to go back and look at every goal i've ever had the the goals my most successful goals were written down on a piece of paper and somewhere i revisited it and looked at it and thought about it Um, because it's like you're just saying it's easy to let those ideas slip through the cracks but if you have some sort of reminder then it comes back to the front of your mind. And also you remember how important it is because the one thing with achieving goals is your life is going to get in the way, whether it's your fan, like kids and a family or other hobbies, um, or just anything. And, and there's only 24 hours in a day too. So it's not, you know, it's not going to be easy. And, um, and some goals are easy, but, if it gets written down, you're just so much more likely to actually accomplish it.
0: Yeah, and you know, there's an author out there His name's Charles Duhigg, and he wrote the Power of a Habit, and he really breaks this down to there's three things that's required to make something a habit. And, and I read a book when I started in this industry, and it was similar to this, but there's a cue, a routine, and an award. Right? There's three things to make it a habit. The cue is, and let's just use working out because it's relevant to everybody. Um, the cue could be, hey, we're gonna Put out our workout clothes in the morning and we kind of joke about this but i'll tell you when i do a good job working out the night before i have everything ready to go <laughs> yeah and and it's not because i don't want to go get it it's because i've got two little kids a uh, one and a half year old and a four and a half year old and if i get up and start digging through the closet trying to find my stuff i'm going to wake them up which in turn wakes my wife up, which in turn makes me have a horrible day. So if the, cl- cause everybody's mad at me. So if the clothes aren't out and I, I do the same thing with fishing or hunting or whatever I'm doing, if I have everything set out, I'm much more likely to do it because there's not this barrier of, oh, I forgot to put the stuff out. now I have to go dig through the closet and turn lights on and make all this noise at 4.30 in the morning. Cause if I don't put it out, I'm not gonna do it. So that's the cue. The cue is having the clothes out. The routine is, hey, once the clothes are out, I go get it. And I have this daily routine of how I'm going to do this workout or how I'm going to go fishing. You know, so if it's fishing, oh, the routine is hook the boat up, unplug the batteries, lower the anchors down, everything to just get ready. And then the reward is I get to go have four hours of pure enjoyment. Um, if it's working out, maybe the routine is doing the elliptical, you know, doing some sit ups. And then my reward is if I do this for five days in a row. Maybe get a cheat day. So I had a good friend of mine who's a, he's, he's a eye doctor and he's a workout fanatic, like always in great shape, love to hunt. And he told me, he goes, the way I do this, cause he eats super healthy during the week and works out every day. And I'm like, man, I wish I could do it, but I I just can't give up the Chinese for lunch. <laughs> and uh, he goes, well, this is how I do it. He goes, yeah, I go and work out and he goes every day. He does six days a week. Sundays is cheat day. And, you know, he's in he's been in bodybuilding competition, so I'm just thinking, like, he never eats anything bad. On Sunday, he goes to Wendy's and has two cheeseburgers and fries every Sunday. And he does it because it makes himself feel horrible. So it's his reward, but it also makes his body just not feel good. So if you think about it, he's, like, accomplishing two things. Like, <laughs> oh, man, I get the thing I love the most, but then I feel crummy the rest of the day, yeah, which so- is always going to drive me back
1: to my routine to start working out. Right, which I – that's pretty disciplined, right? His reward is also kind of a reminder to get back
0: Yeah. Well, get back to it. Well, it's funny because I, I like Snickers bars, and he's like, well, here's the deal. If you're going to have that candy bar, do it right after you eat out, right after you work out, because your body's still burning the calories. He goes, you don't have to give that up. He goes, you just need to do it at the right time, not at 9.30 while you're crawling into bed. Right. You know, have that snicker bar right after you work out where your body's still burning calories and, and working. Um, so that could be someone's reward. I work out and I get a snickers bar. I, I mean, think about races. Does your wife do any races or anything?
1: Right. Like no. running
0: right. So no. my wife likes to do five K's. What does okay. every single person do after they run a
1: five K or a half mile mar- half you, marathon, half marathon, get a t-shirt and a beer, t-shirt and a beer. Part.
0: That's the reward is the beer tent and. Think about that, but that—that's probably like, man, my wife. She's ran the Bix down in the Quad Cities for years. She looks forward to, man, I'm done, and we get to go to the beer tent. That is her reward for, I mean, that's a hard race, but yeah, that's her reward. So I think just think about how do I cue up this this cue up this habit every day? How do I have a routine for it? And then if I accomplish it, what's my reward?
1: Yeah, and the rewards. You know, the the rewards are important. And for investing and um, financial success, I think maybe we should touch on too. Don't deprive yourself. So if you make a goal of save, this is arbitrary, but I'm gonna save $200 a month for retirement this year and invest that money. If you can do that, do it, but don't do it at the cost of your favorite things in your lifestyle. Um, Like for example, if you're kind of a foodie and you like to make really nice meals for yourself, don't skip those really nice meals that you're going to make if that's a super high thing on your priority list but maybe you have cable and you don't really watch tv you know that might be an area to cut it out or on the other hand if you have cable and watching sports is one of your biggest hobbies well don't don't give up the things that you love to do it. Find other areas through prioritizing to get to a uh, back.
0: That's a great point. Because if you give up the things that you really like, you'll actually resent the goal that you created.
1: Yeah. And that's, it, that's and counterproductive.
0: It goes back to the show I did with uh, Jonas. I don't know, like I don't know a few weeks ago about the no budget lifestyle, right? Don't deprive yourself of things you like to do. Create your financial design Not through, hey, here's everything I have to pay, but here's what's important to me. Accomplish those things and then work the savings in around those things. But you made a good point. If you resent the goal, it's not going to be accomplished. Yep, that's right. Um, The other thing people do is they have small setbacks and they let this turn into – basically destroying the goal it's the reason eight percent of people accomplished it it's not because there was a major setback it's because there's a minor setback and they use it as an excuse to say oh, i'm done with this and you guys are going to laugh over this so this is probably like 13 14 years ago my wife and i we were getting ready for our five-year wedding anniversary we we're getting going on a big trip and i'm like well i'm gonna lose some weight you know that's trip i'm gonna like, give up carbs back then it was atkins diet I'm gonna give up carbs so i gave up carbs and I've been off it for like 10 days. And if you've ever tried to like, just eliminate carbohydrates from your diet, you, you, get, grumpy. Tough. Yeah, you get grumpy. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. And I'll never forget this. I was sitting around my house one night and I'm like, I can't do it anymore. My wife goes, where are you going? I go, I'm going to Hy-Vee. And she goes, what are do you doing? I said, don't worry about it, I'm going to Hy-Vee. And I come home, I've got a dozen Krispy Kreme glazed donuts.
1: <laughs> All right. I brought
0: them in, she goes, don't do it. <laughs> Cause she knew where this was going. I mean, for real, she knew where this was going. I ate all dozen Krispy Kreme donuts. So I had that small setback thing, man. I just, if I could have just had like a donut, but I just used it as an excuse, like, this is horrible. I don't want to do this anymore. So instead of having the small setback, I, I just created a monster and I ate the dozen donuts and I was not on a no carb
1: diet anymore. <laughs> well, and that, you know, but th- those can be small setbacks when they happen, but you kind of got to look at it as maybe a reset like that. <laughs> little event you could have been like okay that wasn't good doesn't work for me but i'm not doing that tomorrow or if it's the next day i'm not doing that today and i'm gonna do maybe these things to get me back on track um but yeah that's that's typical i think it's a
0: great story though my wife yeah. i'm sure she remembers that because she's like don't do it she knew what happened when i walked in with the Desi. I I hit by like the single one it was like the whole box Yeah. so elias i've found there's really five kind of primary money goals or New Year's resolutions that people create. And number one is they try to create a budget for life. Um, And the problem with that is life changes. So, and and we're not huge advocates of like making this budget that starts with all your expenses first. We're advocates of creating this lifestyle design, make sure we're doing what's important to you. Um, I've always joked Starbucks or your coffee or your car is not the reason you're not gonna be successful. The reason you're not gonna be successful is you didn't lay out a savings plan first and pay yourself first. Um, I I look back to budgets and we've all done them. And every time I created one that starts listing who I'm gonna pay rent or my mortgage to and then my car payment, my student loans and all these things, by the time I get to the bottom, I'm out of money. And I'm paying myself last versus paying myself first. So. Um, when The biggest thing I want people to do with creating a budget is pay yourself first. The other thing is just know that budgets are gonna get blown up. If you try to get down, and, and they're the best money people in the world will tell you this, you're gonna blow up your budget. The idea of putting something together is a guideline so you're aware of how you're spending money. The more aware you are, the better you are with money, right? So I'll use myself. I had a subscription to the Wall Street Journal. I still have it. It shows up every day, a blue bag outside. And I really got the subscription to read the digital version, which is like half the full subscription where you get the newspaper. Do you know how many of the blue bags i have opened up?
1: You don't read the news. Yeah. You don't read it cause you're reading it on your phone or it goes, your tablet. I could
0: save $17 a month if I went through and said, Hey, what's important here and is the paper important? It's just, right. I've done it for so long that I still want to get the cozy paper even though I don't use it. It's used more for wood kindling than anything or recycle at this point. Um, So first thing, and this is the primary thing I want people to do with a budget for 2021, is pay yourself first. Try to create a budget doing that. And our rule of thumb is start with 10%, whether that's in your employer 401k, maxing on a Roth IRA. Um, It doesn't really matter where you go, I don't really care. There are places that are more optimal than others. But it's just the habit of get saving now. Um, The time value of money and compound interest is one of the greatest things that exist. So create a budget and start saving today.
1: Yeah. And budgets can be very limiting. So when you're making this budget, and this is something we talk about, um, try to get more in the mentality of this is like a lifestyle plan. I'm going to prioritize Uh, my lifestyle as I make this budget. And at the top, you gotta pay yourself first. And that's really gonna set you on a good track.
0: And so if you just think of the whole name of our show, it's Behind the Wealth. And the whole idea is our goal for people is to start building wealth and net worth. That's built by saving and investing dollars, whether it's in real estate, land, mutual funds, stocks, bonds, whatever it is, that's how you build that, maybe a business. But one thing I think people should do is they should calculate their net worth annually because some people, if, and I run across this a lot, farmers or they have a business and many times those people have saved less in retirement accounts, but you have this talk with them and say, well, what's your land worth? And, oh, well, I have 500 acres and it's worth $5 million. And they say, well, yeah, but I can't really count that because I can't sell, I'm not gonna sell that land to invest money. And I have this conversation, well, what's the goal of actually saving money for retirement? It's to turn that money into income. Well, how much rent do you get for your you know, your 500 acres? Well, I get 100,000 a year. Well, there you go. That's no different than having a you know, few million dollar 401k. So think about in terms of net worth, how do I increase my net worth? If you think about purchases in terms of increasing net worth, you'll start to make better money decisions, right? Do cars increase your net worth? No. Does real estate? Yes. Most of the time. Um, Does your 401k? Yes. So if you start thinking, how do I increase my net worth every day or how do I increase my wealth every day? You'll start making better choices in this budget.
1: Net worth, that's a very good, especially if you do it this way where it's annually, that's a really good indicator as if you're moving in the right direction. a lot of people might be saving money but they've never calculated it and it's really it's interesting to see you know because a lot most people when you start out you start out with a negative net worth you come out of college you have student loans uh, you might buy a house so your net worth is could possibly be negative hundred thousand dollars negative two hundred thousand well a good first step is get to break even at that point okay my net worth is zero now every year you start seeing it come up Um, That's a really good indicator. And that's another, that'll be like an annual thing that'll positively reinforce the the other habits that you're doing. That's
0: the main thing. It gives you positive reinforcement. And and think about this. You have a new person or let's say a person who's 35 and they just never have been aggressive with their 401k and they start doing it and they start putting in 5% of their income. They make 50 grand. Well, the end of the year, they have 2,500 bucks. That's not a whole lot of progress, but maybe they were smart and they did a 15 year mortgage when they bought that house, they're 25 and they have $125,000 a positive equity and their net worth is, you know, 103rd, or 140,000, that will make them feel better than their $2,500 hundred one K balance that they now have. Yeah. So it, it just makes you feel a lot better, better about it. Um, the second thing or second goal or priority, most people want to do is manage their debt. Um, you know, there's good debt, there's bad debt, right? We really need to manage the debt, bad debt. You know, if, if you go download our freedom guide at btwellshow.com, um, we want to eliminate the high interest rate debt, right? If we have credit cards that are, most credit cards are north of 10%, 15, 18%, we want to eliminate those. Um, analyze your student loans. What what are those um, interest rates on those loans? If they're 2.7%, I wouldn't be in a huge hurry to pay them off. Yeah. Um, mortgage rates today are 2.75% on a 30-year mortgage. I wouldn't be in a hurry to pay that off. But man, if you have an 18% credit card, I would be in a hurry to pay that off. Okay, so as, as you think about paying these off, I think it's good to provide people tools. And there's really two ways to effectively eliminate debt. There's the method called the debt snowball method, which Dave Ramsey's made inherently popular. And that method is successful because of the psychology behind things. It's the idea of, like we talked about, having a goal, accomplishing one small thing. So you list your debts from smallest to largest, pay the smallest off first, regardless of interest rate. And with some people that will resonate, right? The second way to do it's called the debt avalanche. And this is where you list interest rates from highest to lowest, and you attack your highest interest rate first. If you want more information on these methods, you can go to our show at BT, or go to the website at btwellshow.com, and we have a little guide to download that talks about both methods. Here's what I'll tell you. If you're a numbers person that doesn't need instant gratification, the debt avalanche will make more sense to you because you are attacking the highest interest rate debt first. It will also provide you, if you stick to the plan, a better monetary outcome. The problem with it is, I think it was Columbia University did a study on this. Most people can't accomplish that, that plan because they're not disciplined enough to not get a instant payoff or some gratification. And that's why the debt snowball works. I don't care what method somebody does. It doesn't matter to me. You have to pick which one works. And guess what? It might not be the first one you try. So that's why we like to give people two avenues to do this because the debt snowball is going to work with some people. That that avalanche will work with others. Um, so if one doesn't work, you can go to the other the other um, strategy. Yeah,
1: and that goes back to something we talk about a lot with people is execute one of them, and if it doesn't work, execute the other. But you're going to find blindly following one of those strategies and executing them will be successful.
0: Yep. So the third resolution we see a lot is optimize your portfolio, um, and, and this is important, but. I get this question, well, what do you think about this investment? It's a good investment, I just don't know if it's good for you, right? Because optimize your portfolio means two things, right? One, what portfolio optimizes for the highest return, or what portfolio is optimized to be my goals and my priorities that I've created in my financial plan for the long-term, right? And, And I like to operate off of, hey, what meets my goals and priorities long term? That's how we optimize a portfolio. Everybody has an optimal portfolio. Most people don't know what it is because they haven't created a written financial plan.
1: Right. And you know they also maybe don't understand uh, the ri- having an optimal portfolio. It's a little bit of um, understanding your risk too, because some some people can take less risk and still achieve their goals. Well, then the decision is really because if you're taking less risk, you're not going to get the, the return, right? Absolutely. So there, there's give and take to everything. But if you if you see, well, I can take less risk and be successful and that appeals to you, that would you know, now you're moving into an optimal portfolio. Yeah.
0: And so a couple of things you want to consider, obviously, are taxes. There's certain investment assets or asset classes that are more tax friendly than others. So it's in an IRA or a 401k or Roth IRA, you don't have to be concerned with it. But if you're doing this yourself, you probably want to make sure if it's in a non-qualified brokerage account or some kind of non-qualified asset that we're being tax friendly to it. And it's where a financial advisor or a company helping you can start to add some really good value. The other thing, we want to rebalance our portfolio. Um, There's research on this, but you know, twice a year, pretty, pretty reasonable. If you get big swings in the market, though, it could cause you to want to rebalance your portfolio sooner rather than later, either up or down.
1: Um, Um, yeah, well, we saw that. We saw that this year and, and we mentioned on a different show. If in the spring you were scared and you thought there's some changes that I should make, um, now that the market's back to all time highs, that's when it's time to rebalance and make those because in the spring, had you done it after the market went down, well, now that's a that's reacting. Probably not a good idea. Yeah, and if you can be you can be proactive now, probably a good idea for you.
0: Yep, and I, I jokingly tell people we got to get out of jail free card again. We got one in 2018 when the market went down and came right back. We got another one now. This was a not a prolonged market downturn. In fact, the market's positive on the year now. Um, there's a huge disconnect between the stock market and the economy. But right now the market's you know, near all time highs. If you wanna make a change, become less aggressive, now's the time to consult your financial plan, see what your optimal portfolio is and make those appropriate changes. Um, uh, resolution four is just kind of prepare for the unexpected. I, when I think of unexpected, I think of emergency fund. And uh, we're not gonna go into this too much, but emergency fund, it's not a set dollar amount, it's not a set number of months what makes you feel good. But here's what I can tell you, a thousand dollars in an emergency fund is not an emergency fund. It, it, I mean, we live in Iowa. We have the derechos go through here. Most people's home deductible was a thousand dollars. Well, they also lost all their food in the refrigerator. They might have to buy a generator. They didn't have any money. So realistically, I, we should start with three to six months, but really look at your life. Are you, you know, how does your income derived? If it's from a job, you better have six months. If you own a business, that's recession proof. And you went through COVID and you went through um, the duration we had in Iowa, maybe you don't need six months or a year in there. Maybe you can do three months because your income is just really not changing. So this is personal, but it's not a thousand dollars. It's too little to have an emergency fund.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And um, on top of the emergency fund, and then we're starting a new year. So looking at last year and um, Preparing for the unexpected. I think one thing to mention, quick, maybe if you have a fan especially if you have a family, um, some life insurance. And you know, I'm not a big advocate of um, any cash value or permanent life insurance products, but I would say, um, especially if you have little kids, you do need to look at 20-year term, 15, 20, 30-year term life insurance through an A-rated company, and that's other big thing to think about.
0: You know. People ask me all the time, do I need life insurance? And this is my litmus test for this. Whether somebody needs life insurance or they don't. Especially when they get older. If you can retire with dignity today and live your lifestyle with what you have saved, what's life insurance going to do for you? How much? Mm -hmm. Right? If, If you can retire today and something you passed away and your spouse or family is completely fine with the money you have saved, then you probably don't need it. If you can't answer yes to that question, then you consider life insurance, it's pretty easy. And like you said, term life insurance is typically throughout you're gonna go, it's very inexpensive and you can match it to your need. I can think of a specific client where husband retired at 55, wife's still working. Well, he wanted insurance on himself. I'm like, we don't need the insurance on you. We need the insurance on the spouse who's still working because her future income is going to predicate whether you're successful or not if she passes away and you're still living, and you have the insurance, and she doesn't. Well, you're in trouble, right? Because we have to have you pass away to get the get the claim. So we kind of shifted the thinking. Um, so yeah, insurance is a big one for people. Don't be over insured, but don't be under insured.
1: Yeah, and it's honestly life insurance to me is one of the most misunderstood products. And you know, in our business, the investing is the that's the exciting, the sexy stuff. But it's if you have a young family that could be the most important financial product you purchase. Um, But it's what it truly is, it's income replacement, just like you were just talking about. So we need to protect income and income replacement for your family.
0: Well, and I coined this a long time ago, it's really the self-completing portion of your financial plan. If you pass away unexpectedly, so you're 40, and you've done this great financial plan, which assumes you guys are gonna work for the next 20 years and you're gonna save X amount of dollars in your 401k. Well, how do I self-complete that financial plan if something happens to one of us today? So, cause no one likes to talk about life insurance. No. But if we turn it into a, how do we self-complete our financial plan? It sounds a lot better to people and they engage it. Keep insurance simple, literally keep it simple. Yeah. You know, you can buy insurance with all these different riders and benefits. Well, what are you really buying this for? Are you buying it to have all these fancy bells and whistles? It's like a car. Well, yep, I could drive the Hyundai. Nothing wrong with Hyundai, but I could get a base model cloth interior for X amount of dollars. Or we can go buy the Cadillac and get all these bells and whistles. At the end, if we're driving down the street to work, they're both going to get us where we need to go. So in the insurance area, let, let's concentrate on getting the appropriate coverage. Um, and the last thing I think is actually really important for people to do, and um, it's always on the back of everybody's mind, they don't wanna deal with it, but it's protect your estate. Make sure you have your beneficiaries updated, make sure you have a will, if you don't have a will, there's a lot of great online places you can go to create a will, um, but just get all of this stuff you know, put into place. I think the one thing that's come out of COVID is that, and it made people look at things differently. They, I think people said, well, this could happen to me because most people have known somebody who's been affected by COVID in one way or another. And it's making people think twice about putting off these different things that they've put off forever. Maybe you were married and didn't have kids and you're like, "Well, I don't need a will. Well, if you have kids, you probably need one right now. You want to have some direction. What happens to your family? If something unfortunate happens to you and your spouse.
1: Yeah, and when you have a will, that's your deterrent You're making all those decisions on the front end, and then there's no room for you know the state to determine where your assets are going to go, or um, you know, or maybe, you know, or just anybody for that matter. But specifically, then the state government's kind of deciding where your where your assets are going to go. Well, you're
0: you're dictating where your money and where your kids and where your family goes based upon your values and goals and desires versus that of others. Correct. Um, So those are really the five main things, Elias, that people are gonna look at from a monetary financial goal going into 2021. I think my big takeaways from this is make a small achievable goal and set a little bit of time aside every single day to accomplish a goal. And it, it might be two minutes. Like, oh, I need to go do this today so I can accomplish this five months down the road. But make it achievable, put it on paper. And, and I think everybody will be successful through 2021 goals and don't become the 8% t- statistic. Actually, that could be a goal for people. Think about this right 8%. <laughs> I don't want to be part of the, I want to be part of the 8%, right? The 8% yeah, that, that succeeds. Achieves, yep. I don't yep. want to be 92% of the people that fail. That actually, I'm going to use that goal.
1: Yeah. I'm going to be
0: part of the 8% with this goal this year.
1: So, so my, t- my takeaway from today to add to what you're talking, um, when you have a setback, don't let the setback blow up your plans. Get refocused and get back on track. So whatever your goals are, because everyone, no one perfectly takes steps towards the goal. So when the setback happens, um, okay, move on.
0: So we could just coin that: don't let the Krispy Kreme donuts crush your crush your golf.
1: Yeah, here. don't let one okay. box of Krispy Kremes ruin your your <laughs> whole, ruin year. whole year.
0: <laughs> uh, with that said, I want to thank everybody for tuning back into the the show again today. If you have any questions you like answered, if you want to get information on how to start your own financial plan, it's btwealthshow.com. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening.
1: Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial. A registered investment advisor, never be a sibling. The opponents voiced in your show are the general information.